The Counterfeit God, A History of Corpus by Avon Fur Vorunt. Ignore the fact that Vilta was a weaver, that she could work with spirit in the way that others work with thread and cloth. That gave her her power, of course. She would not have done the things that she did without it. But her greatest strength was her gift for understanding people. She was able to bring others to her cause, to build a following and inspire them into action. She showed a faith in them, and in return, they would show a faith in her. As she travelled, she found followers, a band of oath-breakers and revolutionaries, storytellers and outlaws, people who had never quite belonged, who found a purpose with her. There are many names for them, but the parish is the one that stuck. When she travelled south, into the Sharrow, when she first tried to stop Corpus, there were five of them. Arkan, the warrior, Vilta's first follower and former guard when she worked for the guilds. Instead of stopping Vilta's rebellion, she joined it. Ioff, the one who could turn minds. He, like Vilta, was forced into servitude due to his gifts. Vilta helped him to break his chains. Nilkat, the revolutionary. In embrace, he led his fellow workers against their bosses, until their movement was crushed by the Swifts. He met Vilta while in exile, found a new cause to fight for. Femrer, the changeling. A child when he joined Vilta, an orphan from the streets of Voya, he was adopted by the group, each of them becoming his surrogate parents. Then, of course, there was the heart, Belka. I won't offend them by writing their story down here, not when they told it so well themselves. Those five were the core. Others would come and go, but they were the first. Most of them would be with Vilta to the end. They were the ones who followed Vilta into the Sharrow and failed their first duty. They failed to protect her. And so, Corpus was allowed to come into existence. Welcome to these Flimsy Rituals. I'm Adam Dixon. You can follow me on Twitter at AdTDixon. With me today are Elizabeth Simones. Hi, I'm Elizabeth. You can follow me on Twitter at CSylphGames. Bryn Henderson. Hi, I'm Thryn, and you can follow me at Thryn. Steve Martin. Hey, I'm uh, 1988 Hasty Pudding Theatricals Man of the Year, Steve Martin, and I'm on Twitter at purple underscore Steve. And Ryan Evans. Hi, I'm Ryan, and you can find me on Twitter at BrainXRay. And you can follow this podcast on Twitter at Flimsy Rituals. Okay, um, so I feel like last time... When we left off, the party had split into a few different directions. Um, where did we leave everyone? We left Chala, unconscious in the back of one of the carts in the caravan. Vens had gone off with Shu to find the Sharrow to the north, and Belka and Briss were finally in the cave system. Um, they'd just met with a couple of people in the caves, and I think were being held at gunpoint? Yeah, that sounds right. Should we, should we kick off there? Yeah, sure. I think that's what everyone's itching to find out about. Sure. 
Okay, so you're in the cave system under Khan Veskal. I think you were like an hour or two into exploring it when you'd found a split in the caves. One of the directions had come to like a, a ledge where it dropped down. And in the other direction, someone had barricaded the tunnel with some wooden planks. You met Maddie there, who was one of the people that lives in the caves. And I think you were waiting for her to open the caves when you went and explored the other direction, which is when Belka uh, fell off the ledge and got attacked by a strange organic thing that, that you're not entirely sure of what it is, um, that seemed seemed to be spreading through the caves and seemed to be making like a weird... Was it described as like a tearing noise? Yeah, something creepy Fleshy like tearing was yeah. your exact phrasing, <laughs> I believe. Fleshy tearing, cool. Which is just delightful. So yeah, you just managed to pull Belka out of the ledge. They've got a wound on their arm from where this yellow fleshy thing um, had managed to latch onto them. And I think the moment where you got pulled Belka up, you turned around and realised that there were, there were three people and an animal stood behind you. Two of the people are, are shorter than the other. They're, they're shorter than you as well. They're about four foot eight, four foot nine. They're, they're quite small, but they're, they're, they're wearing like quite a lot of layers. They, they look well adapted to this underground environment. Um, and if anything, they remind you like a little bit of like marmots. Like, not in terms... They don't have fur or anything. Um, they just kind of have that appearance. Both of them have the same the same skin, which is actually translucent. And it seems to have, like, a weird glow. Not not unlike some of the mushrooms in the caves, like, underneath the skin. And the patterns seem to, like, swirl and change. Right now, the both of their skins seem to have, like, a light blue glow. One is Maddie. She's shorter but stockier uh, than the other one. She's got translucent skin, uh, she's got dark hair. And unlike the other one that seems to be wearing loads of coats and layers, uh, she she seems to be wearing, like, shorts and a light t-shirt, like as if she's just been doing some sports. She's carrying, uh, like, a staff in her right hand and looks ready to use it if she has to. The other person is covered with, like, different odds and trinkets. She's wearing like a, a thick coat that goes down to her knees. And she, she's also carrying a staff which she holds over one shoulder. And all over like her clothes, uh, she's got like a pouch of bottles, but she's also got like a load of tags like hanging over her clothes. Like they look like they're made out of slate and have like um, symbols and numbers carved onto them. Neither of those are pointing the gun. The po- person pointing the gun is a tall, thin man with like a long drawn mustache. But instead of hair, both on his head and his moustache, it seems to be tiny, tiny feathers. He's about six and a half foot tall, and he seems ill-suited to the caves. If anything, like, his thinness reminds you of something avian. And he's holding the gun up, and he's pointing at... I think he's pointing at a bris. I think he's picked you out as the most dangerous one. I'm... I'm insulted. Um, by his side, uh, I think I described... Uh, Leaf last time, but Leaf is his dog, and his dog, similar to him, instead of fur, has like a lo- is covered in a load of light feathers, and has uh, has legs ending in talon claws, and has like a long whipping tail. And right now it's snarling. Um, I'm pretty sure Briss dropped her sword earlier to help Belka climb up, so I think her her eyes dart dart down to the ground to where the sword's lying. Whoa, 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 you hold up there. Don't move. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not moving. Just, we're, we're not a threat to you. Okay? We're, we're trying to find somewhere safe. And it doesn't sound like this is it. So we're probably going to be on our way. Okay? Just take it easy. He's still, like, aiming his gun at you. Now, Maddy here said you wanted to get in. I mean... Who are you? Travellers. What are you doing here? We've come from... We've come from Ninut. We're trying to find a new home. And from what Maddy tells us, this isn't really the best place to be settling down. Is that right? Are you under siege or something? That's right. Do you mind lowering that thing? So we can have a civilized conversation. Um, I think that that'll be a manipulate. When you try and convince a, an NPC to do something you want, roll on a hit. They do it and choose one. On seven to nine, choose two. Okay. How are you feeling right now? Um, I think powerful. Weirdly enough, um, she's just pulled Belker out of the situation, and even though the person's pointing the gun at her, she feels in control to a to a certain degree. Uh, eight. Eight. Nice. Um, so they do it and you choose two. So you owe them tribute. You're going to need to give them something up front. You need to do a favour first. Or you need to give them a piece of yourself, body or spirit. Um, I suppose a favour. And I guess I'll owe them something. Okay. Okay, look. Look, we can, we can help you with whatever the... The problem is, maybe. Just just put the gun down and let's talk, okay? That sword. Kick it over here. You two, lower your weapons. I think that's the favour. I turn to Callan and say, yeah, do it. Put, put the spear down. Briss steps to one side, keeping her eyes up. She kicks the, the sword over. Just be careful with that. That's, that's a personal heirloom, okay? Um, I think at this point, like, Maddie touches the man on his arm and goes, It's okay, Cast. We can trust them. We can trust them. And Cast sort of lowers, lowers his gun and looks, looks around, like, his eyes are just, even like when he was aiming at you, his eyes were darting, like, left and right. He, he looks very, very nervous. He lowers his gun, and as he lowers his gun, I feel like Leaf stops snarling, and Cast says, you better get inside. It's not safe out here. Well, yeah, we've already been threatened. And picks up your sword and starts to walk into the into the caves. And nod to nod to Callan to pick to pick up the spear and pick up the knife that Belka dropped. Shove it shove it into my belt. Aww. Are you sad because you don't have a weapon anymore? Yeah, I was getting really good at knife. <laughs> I mean, you did stab a thing, right? I did stab a thing. Okay, you following them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think owing them tribute in this case means that Cast has a bond on you. Cool. Uh, what was the... Did you say the dog was called Leaf? Yeah, L-E-I-F. Okay. Um, yeah, you follow them past where where the wooden barricade had been. It, it seems to be torn down, but not... But in a way that makes it easy to put back together. And I think that's what Kaylin stops to do as, as you all go through. Um, just just starts putting the barricade back up, and I guess especially for Callan and and Briss, like as you walk in, you seem to be in like a large room, and the room is is lined with like wooden boards and wooden planks, and it is bright. It's really really bright in here. 
So it, it's quite big. Um, at one end of it seems to be a stage. And all through the room, I, like carved partially using like the plants that are here and partially using wood, um, seems to be like rows of, I guess, pews. It seems to be almost like a temple to this. And all around the room are just plants growing. Some of them are mushrooms. Some of them grow out of the ground and kind of have a big bulbous head and then like a crown of petals around it. And then other ones seem to like hang from vines on the ceiling and down the walls. And these lights seem to like float around all of them. Like some of it seems to be coming from the plants, but actually, I guess as you pay attention, you realize that the light, like something seems to be imbuing these plants um, with the light rather than light coming from the plants. And I think it hurts your eyes um, for Riss and Callum. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna tie tie my veil back, lift it back up to to cover my cover my eyes. Cool. So yeah, uh, Kaylin stops to to fix the barricade. I feel like Cast walks behind you, and and Maddie walks at the front. Uh, they 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 seem to just basically be leading you through this room. Um, is anyone saying anything? Um, I think yeah, I think Briss is gonna as they as they're walking through that she she's silent for a short while, taking taking in the. The surroundings. Uh, this is all pretty new and got a lot to think about. But eventually, she turns her head to one side to sort of indicate that she's trying to talk to Cast without fully turning around and being threatening at all. Is uh, if something's if something's here, why haven't you left? I, I can't figure that bit out. We didn't realise we could leave. Everyone who's attempted to so far, well. We ain't heard from them again. Are you sure that's not just because they got out? It's not. It's not a long way to the outside world. We had no trouble getting here. Believe me, I've tried to get out before. What's... what's out there? I don't know what it is. It's... There's something growing underneath this mountain, eating it from the inside growing so something alive that uh, doesn't sound like a remnant who knows what's like a remnant <laughs> ain't that the truth are you saying that we're not going to be able to get out of here because we've got people to get back to people who are who need us i don't know what i'm saying i hope you can get out of here and i hope you can lead these two out with you um belka what are you doing at this stage well, I just got all my wrist skin ripped off, so sitting quietly on the floor. I think you're like walking through. Mm, okay. are, you, are you stopping to sit or? Yeah, I'm gonna stop and sit down. So, like, I think one of the things we established is that you guys haven't slept for days, right? Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cool. So, so I think um, at the point where. Like Maddie is at the other step, other end of this shrine, like the one of her entrance into it. Um, Belka has just sat down. Callan like takes a couple of steps and just suddenly slumps forward and collapses to the floor. What do you do? Um, I'm gonna dash forward to him and check that he's alive. How are you feeling right now? I think. I think the adrenaline's worn off. I think I think she's back to being a little bit scared about the situation, the idea of being trapped in here. 
Yeah, I mean, um, you can still hear Kaylin hammering in the wooden boards. Yeah, and somebody's just collapsed, and she's just been reminded that Corin's out there, and she might not be able to get back to him. So yeah, I'm going to go scared. And I think as you start to step forward, you can feel the tendrils of sleep gathering around you. Like your mind seems to be fogging over, and your body's just telling telling itself to just just rest, just stop for a minute. Um, do you stop? No, 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 I don't. I, I carry on. I've got, I'm trying to, somebody's just <laughs> collapsed. I'm trying to help, help them. Okay. Um, so I think this is time to make a steal yourself move. Steal. When yourself. you steal yourself against something, choose an action you hope not to do and roll. So I, I guess in this case, fall asleep. Okay. I do not want to fall asleep. On 10 plus, it doesn't happen. On 7 to 9, the MC picks something else <laughs> uh, to happen to you. On a miss, it's that one. Alrighty. I would like to. You said you're feeling scared. Yeah, I'm gonna roll scared. Cool. I fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, like there's the option here to, for Belka to use a bond if. So you rolled a six, right? I did. Yeah. I could. I could use a bond. I mean, I do think Briss needs to sleep, like all human beings, and I'd very much like all of us to do that. But also, I want to know Callan is okay. I think so. Okay, you gotta do um, that first. How does this look? I guess if I if I see that Briss is um, sort of swaying a little bit on on the verge of falling asleep, standing up, which seems like a bad idea. Belka is just going to make a lot of noise. <laughs> I'm just going to shake my head really violently. <laughs> fair, fair. Um, so I I feel like this keeps Briss like Briss is like walking, stepping forward, and almost like collapsing, and then just jolts up, it's like, all of a sudden, you can hear this just this damn ringing of bells again. I haven't been able to escape it for... In fact, I, at, at this point, I think I'm actually longing for sleep. I'm gonna haunt your yeah. dreams. <laughs> the bells, the bells. So, I feel like the thing that happens is... Yeah, I think you rage. Like, I think I think you're just angry. Like, this just reminds you how angry you are. Um... At the same time, uh, Belka, would you like to try and steal yourself? Oh goodness! Okay. Or, or, um, or you can, or you can choose to sleep if you want to. No, I'll, I'll go for a steal myself. I'm, I'm worried about Callan, I guess, more than tired. I'm both, but um, I'm gonna roll peaceful, I think, because I think Belka is basically just done. This is too long for them to have been awake and still be able to process any emotion. Okay. Wait, is that Bel- Belka or Thrin? it's both that is an 11 okay um yeah I feel the combination of both having to keep Briss awake and also the pain that is still kind of coursing through your right arm means that you've got no chance of sleeping right now you're you're awake and you're focused so how are you reacting to Cal and going down I guess you said you were interested in making sure he's okay. Yeah, I very much want to make sure he's okay, but um, also, I, yeah, I think the state Belka is in is is basically lucid dreaming, but awake. I don't know that I can do much about it, necessarily. Um, I might kind of try and pitch myself forward and roll a bit closer to where he is. Sure, I, like, I feel like Callan was maybe fairly close to you. Like a few steps ahead of you, but like still fairly close. So I feel like you, you managed to like slump down by your side. I think as you do this, 
This is like when Briss manage, manages to do the same thing. Um, and I feel like Maddie, who was already on her way to, to CTU Belka, kind of stops with you as well. Like, Maddie's at Callan's above his head. Um, Belka is like at his face, and then Briss is kind of at the other side of him. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to put my forehead on Callan's forehead so I can like check that he's breathing and then basically just kind of a wake nap. Yeah, he's, he seems he's breathing. Like, he seems fine. He just seems to fall asleep. Um, Maddie says, is he okay? Do we have like an equivalent of a thumbs up? A thumbs up, maybe? <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to do a real tired thumbs up. This place has, has an effect on people. I... I guess you're not used to Alec Light. Uh, I can't. I can't stress enough how important this is. We need to find. We need to find safety. I think at this point, like Cast is behind you, and it's like, this is safe enough now. If you need to, you can rest before before we talk. I'd I'd like that. Belka, you and Callan sleep. I'll, I'll take first watch. Is there are other people in this room. No offence, but I don't trust them. I don't trust anyone who points a damn gun at me. Cass just sort of laughs. Maddie looks over at you and goes, If you can manage it, we have beds. Just a few doors down. Belka's ears definitely poked up at beds. I need a, a chair, something I can sit on. I'll watch. We have chairs too. This way. Do you do you follow her? Uh, all is she is she indicating for all three of us to to follow? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. I'm gonna nod to to Belka to take one of Callan's shoulders and grab the other one myself and try and help him to his feet. Yeah, she leads you out of the shrine, and I think I think the rest of the, the the space is very similar to how the shrine was. So it's wooden walkways. There are plants growing in different places, kind of attracting these these moats uh, to them, like providing light and casting over casting over the rocks. Um, and I think you you realise at this stage that under this light, the rocks themselves are, are not like a grey colour, but are like like an azure blue colour. Um, and like all of all of the cave walls seem to be this colour. And you follow a tunnel a little way and you see that there seem to be branches from it. But most of these branches, like the way you came in, seem to be barricaded. You, you finally come across one that doesn't have a barricade in front of it. And uh, you go down it and you find yourself in, I guess, in a small room. It has a bed which takes up most of the floor. It's probably like bigger than a double bed. It seems to be like equipped for like a small family to to sleep in this room and it's it's maybe like a foot off the floor suspended on like wood and hay maddie looks at you all says we'll wake you up in a couple of hours uh, i'll help callan over to the bed and start pacing the room by the door i'm gonna weigh up the possibility of if i try and bear hug briss into going to the bed that she murders me. Do you really think she needs to sleep? I'm gonna try it. <laughs> I'm gonna fall in the direction of Briss. 
So you're, so you're trying to fall in the direction of Briss. I'm trying um, to fall on the bed and take Briss down with me, basically. Okay. Um, I can't tell what kind of move this is, <laughs> or whether it is a move. Um, <laughs> are you resisting this? Is this use force? I don't know. I don't think it is. I don't think you're going to like harm harm yourself doing it. I feel like this is a protect another, technically. Well, it could it could be when you make a show of strength to get what you want. <laughs> on a 10 plus, they make you carry out your threat or back down their choice. On a 7 to 9, they pick one, remove themselves as threat, fortify themselves, give you something they think you want. I think it fits really All well. All right, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's you making a show of strength. Okay. Um, so wait, what's the what's the threat of the threat that you have to carry out? Well, I, think the I have to roll first, don't I? You will go to bed. Yeah, the threat is you will go to bed. <laughs> I love it. That's an eight. Decent. Um, so you pick one. Um, so you can remove yourself as a threat, fortify yourself, give you something they think you want, attempt to remove you as a threat, or tell you what you want to hear or think you want to hear. Is that for me to choose one or for? Yeah, you. I, yeah. I think you choose. Grace yeah. chooses one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Could you go through this again? Um, I think the most relevant ones are remove yourself as a threat, which is probably you just going to bed. Give up. Give you something they think you want. Fortify yourself, or tell you what you want to hear, or think you want to hear. <laughs> but Belka, what the hell are you doing? Go to bed. I'm. I'll. I'll, I'll, I'll keep watch. Yeah. Soon. I just want to make sure they're not going to steal anything. Steal what? The knife. That's all we've got left. And my shield. Surely you're carrying valuables. There are many knives in this world, and one bris. Only one of them was made by Aya. I think you realise that bris is not backing down. Um, I think I'm probably already asleep at this point. I'll sleep soon, and... As as they've tried to fall on me, I've I've grabbed them by the shoulders and sort of, as we're having this conversation, steered them over to the bed, and just pushed very slightly so so they sit down, and then just took a step back and let exhaustion take its course. I'll I'll sleep soon. You sleep now, okay? Belka is already asleep. This whole conversation <laughs> was wasted on them. <laughs> There's part of me like wondering what would have happened if you'd used your like tell a story move there. Like you just tell tell the story <gasps> of the I very sleepy bedtime story. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> the story of the very sleepy goat. That would have been way better. <laughs> okay. Um I I don't suspect I'm gonna I'm gonna stay awake for very long. Briss is gonna try and pace the room, but eventually she'll she'll settle down in a corner. Just for a second. Part two of our sleep cast. Um, let's go over to Chala, who is asleep in the back of a wagon at the minute. Hello. <laughs> Good segue. I think where we left off, you'd, you'd kind of woken up and like looked around you, and and there's like snow falling overhead, but you seem to be like well wrapped up. Um, and as you woke up, you you looked around you. You could see to your side is the form of Corin, who's asleep. And then you just fall back to sleep. And I feel for like the next little while, this is like your life. Waking up for moments, catching glimpses, and then just falling back asleep. You're exhausted. At one point you wake up and there seems to be two people arguing. 
they seem to be arguing with Ioff. Uh, I don't think you open your eyes at this point, but you know that Ioff is nearby and you can hear another voice arguing. I think you hear them say, like, how could you be so reckless? How, how could, how could you take a little girl out into that? And I think the arguments are just this one voice. I think it's a woman's voice, just, just for, for a few minutes, just, just shouting at Ioff and Ioff has no response. And then you drift back to sleep. And then you wake back up and there are more voices this time and, and it seems to be another argument. You can hear the voice of Ree and you can hear the voice of Jeddah. You can hear Ree saying, no, we can't afford to take risks. We, we have to be disciplined if, if we're going to survive. We're, we're going to make losses and we have to accept that. Every soldier knows how to do this. It's what we're taught. And I feel like Jeddah's argument back is, we're not soldiers. And when our people first came to Ninut, when they first settled, they never left anyone behind. People were missing, people were lost, sure, but they always tried to look for them. If, if we'd looked for these people, maybe we could save them, maybe not. But we definitely wouldn't have, wouldn't have left our problems to, to a girl, a young girl. And you drift back to sleep again. And when you wake up, the wagons have stopped and they seem to be sat in a, in a small semicircle. And there's the back of your grandma, Tamil, and your, your father, Saran, alongside your brother and sister. And then like in the cart next to you is your mum, Yani, who, who's kind of keeping you warm and just crying. Um, I don't know if we had spoken about it on the podcast, but I think one of the things about Yani is she's, kind of broken, I think. Did we say she was like an old soldier or something and had come back broken? And that Saren is is kind of Yanni's carer. Am I actually waking up this time? Yeah, I feel like you're actually waking up this time. You're still probably confused and dazed, but you're awake this time. And you can hear like people talking from within the semicircle. I think I'll slowly kind of wake up and slowly sit up and just kind of maybe kind of pet my mom on the head. That seems normal. Yeah. I feel like as you touch like your mum's head and face, uh, like the, the, there's a small smile on her lips. It's all going to be okay. But she doesn't really react in any other way. And as you look around and pay attention, it seems like all the wagons have people sat on them, and there seems to be some sort of discussion going on in the center. Then it's definitely time to move to the circle. <laughs> sure. Can I scramble out the back of the cart and then move towards the front? Maybe more space that way. Sure. Kind of see what happens next and hear what's going on. Sure. Yeah, you managed to find a spot. Kind of near your family, um, but between a couple of carts. And I feel like as you pass your like grandma, she just kind of like ruffles the top of your head. Dog. Give a quick hug. What's going on? Why have we stopped? What's happening? How did I get back here? <laughs> I have a weasel! <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's still within your clothes, right? Yeah, I feel like that's still with me. So, yes, I say all of those questions and then exclaim that I have a weasel. <laughs> your grandma just kind of like laughs and, and goes, shh, shh, little one. We're deciding. What are we deciding? Who gets to lead us, I guess. And as you look around, like, you look to the centre, there's, like, I guess a fire's been set, and, like, you realise that everyone's got food. 
Like, it, it seems like he's been stopped here, like, an hour or so, just to kind of gather. Oh, I should definitely eat food. I don't think I've eaten food in a very long time. Um, I feel like your your older sister, Tien, is still eating. It's probably, like, a kebab-style thing. There's, like, skewer with, like, a mix of, like, root vegetables and a little bit of, of, of probably quite tough goat meat on it. Ooh, yum. But yeah, and you, you pay attention to what's happening in the centre, and it seems to be Ree and Jedda again, um, they're in the centre and then the fire, and they seem to be presenting their cases to the village. Are you listening to this? Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like it's an extension of the arguments you heard earlier. Um, Ree is very much in favour of, in favour of leading this according to her background as a soldier. She wants to keep everyone disciplined, she wants to make sure that that you remain focused, and as sad as losing people in this storm is, you have to keep moving where possible. You have to take the right risks. We can't risk everything just to save one person. Jeddah, on the other hand, um, is appealing to like the old values. I feel like Jeddah leads this by telling some stories of your people's journey to Ninut, when they first fled from the west and, and settled in the shadow, and how the people then based their values on looking out for each other no matter what. How if you didn't risk your life to save another, then then you lose the values of the community that you're serving. Right. And I feel like you're you're kind of approaching the end of the argument, and it seems like there's going to be a vote. And there's going to be a vote in the way that the people used to vote in the village, which is that the families vote, um, led by the elder. Where's um Corin and Ioth? Can I see them? Um I think Corin is probably with your family. Ioth will be in the Weaver's car. Right. Well, there's going to be a super important vote, So, but what I'm going to do is first give Corin a hug. Okay. And then run over to Ioth and give him a hug and, and leave the weasel with Ioth, because I think hugs are necessary at the moment. Uh, if possible, I would like to run straight through the middle of the circle. Okay. Uh, yeah. for, for what reason? Because that's kind of what Chala would do. I don't think I would sneak around the back of it to do this. I would just kind of go there. Okay. Jedda sort of laughs. We just kind of like shouts out like, Tamil, control your granddaughter. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still going to go and give Ayav a hug. Yeah, I feel like this is as you're doing it. Like as you run past, she's, she shouts it. Okay, cool. I feel like at this point, like, the arguments in the centre are kind of dying down. Trying to decide how much Chala would actually try and convince a group of adults. I guess you don't have to. It's, I mean, it's up to you. You can if you want. Or you can just, like, see what your family's saying, maybe? Yeah, I guess I will. I'll go see what my family's saying. Okay. Um, I feel like Tamil has gathered everyone around the cart. Um, so there's Tamil, your father, Saran, um, your sister, Tien, your younger brother, Drish, and and also Corin. I, th- I feel like he's an honorary member of your family for this vote. Makes sense. And I feel like Tamil says, you've, you've heard the arguments. Normally it'd be the case that I hear your arguments and then I vote on your behalf. And I still want to do that, but I feel like it's important to cast your votes, your decisions. How does everyone feel? What does everyone want? 
We we need to keep everyone together. I know we lost them, but at least we tried. Mill just kind of like pulls you close then and like brings you into a hug and just kind of smiles. Uh, Sam and your dad uh, looks around and goes, but Rhi knows what she's doing. She's done this kind of thing before. She's the most experienced of us. She, she keeps us in line. More people came with us. We could have saved them. We found them. If more people went with you, more people would have died. I don't know what you were doing, Tamil. Letting a child go out there? It wasn't enough to nearly lose your daughter, Tamil. Now you have to lose your granddaughter, too. Tamil, like, kind of steps forward. It's okay. I, I, I knew I couldn't stop her. I did, I did my best to make sure she was safe. She's, she's back. She's fine. And just kind of, like, holds her into a hug. You're, you're not going to lose her. But I think, like, as Tamil approaches for a hug, like, Saren just kind of throws his hands up. I have a bond on Tamil, and I don't, I haven't really ever used a bond before, but I feel like this is important. Okay. So I guess to lean on, when you ask someone to do something you want and use bonds, if they do it, you erase one bond, you mark to them for each thing you ask of them. I would like Tamil to argue that we shouldn't be trying to build our community based on an army, based on care. And so to kind of go against what my father Saran is saying. Okay. I feel like Tamil nods. And then, like, looks at you and goes, so you're voting for Jeddah? Yes. I feel like um, both Tien and Drish agree the same. And then Tamil looks at Saran and goes, who, who are you voting for? Almost sheepishly, like half under his breath, he says, Re. And Yanni will too. So, from your family, it'll be like four votes for Jeddah and two for Re. Having collected the votes, Tamil goes out into the centre. And as she approaches the centre, like, all of the families stop talking and fall silent to, to listen to her. I, I, I am currently at. Tamil's legs, by the way, like just following right, right next. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, I've taken a vested interest. Sure. I feel like Tamil is that person that everyone sighs at when she talks at like the village meetings, because Tamil is always the one that's a little difficult, a little awkward, and can never abide by an easy decision. Will always force people to like consider their options. And a couple of people are genuinely eager to hear what she's got to say, but they're also sighs. We're talking about this because of my granddaughter. My granddaughter, Chala, who stands with me in the centre now. My granddaughter, Chala, who went out there into this storm because none of you, none of you adults, none of you able-bodied people wanted to go out. I'm talking to you because Chala, Chala asked me to. She asked me to plead with you all to remember that this is a community. This is a community of people, not a military. We can't treat all of us like soldiers. We have to remember each other's abilities. We have to help each other. I plead with you all to vote in a way that feels true to you. That real strength, a real sense of community comes from each other. It comes from helping each other out. Helping up the people weaker than us. Helping the people that have fallen. Helping them on their way. I feel like 
Um, because we talked about like the new move that I've gotten, um, that I have from the advancement is the uncanny potential, and I have the bond on Strial. That all of this kind of talking about um, community and making sure people get looked after. That kind of while um, Tamil is talking about all of this, I'd really like to try and do something about this and see if I can't get anyone back. If I can't, like, ask the Echo, ask, um, ask the Storm. Okay. And, like, so how does this, like, work for you? Is this, is this like, a thing that you're visualizing or is it... Or is it a thing that you've already done and haven't quite realized? I think, so the way I'm kind of thinking about this is because, yeah, because we've been talking so much about just trying to keep everyone together and trying to keep everyone back and like keep everyone safe and not have anyone get lost. Yeah. That I've just, that it's kind of, really concentrating in Chala's mind um, and so kind of searching for that voice that said welcome but not like any kind of physical movement here because it's just trying really hard to, to focus yeah and I think that kind of makes sense for how the speech ends like as far as we see it um, like one moment you're listening to the speech and then the next you're kind of not there yeah. Like the words kind of drone out. Um, so you'd like to communicate with the spirit? Yeah, I guess so. I'd, I'd like to communicate with the spirit and bring those people back, if possible. Okay. Um, so your move is uncanny potential, which is you have the potential to manipulate the supernatural. When you do, roll. On a 10+, plus, pick 2. On a 7 to 9, pick 1. Um, how are you feeling right now? Ah, that is a good question. I think probably powerful. Yeah, definitely powerful. Um, and a little bit proud of my uh, grandmother. Okay. Whew, I hope this doesn't go badly. I only seem to roll either very high or very low. Okay, that's a seven. Okay. Cool. Um, so so on a seven, uh, you pick one. Um, which is either you do what you set out to do, you don't attract unwanted attention, and you don't suffer trauma. I do what I set out to do, and oh dear. Cool. <laughs> so you're so so you're listening to speech, and like the point you lose it is is when Tamil's talking about helping people up off the ground, helping each other up off the ground, and. And you can't, you start thinking Australia. You start thinking about this voice that welcomed you and and the feeling like resigned to your fate but also joyous. That's how okay. you feel right now. So outside of your body, for the people who are stood around the crowd, Tamil's making her point and then everyone's eyes are just suddenly on you, who oh, I feel no. like you go ghostly pale. Okay. Or, okay. Yeah. Just like sort of drop. And you suffer one trauma. Right. Right, I'm lightly wounded and lightly traumatized. Good. And you hear the voice in your head. <gasps> what does it say? 
you came back. And, and like that, that kind of echoes around you and swirls around you. And I feel like in your head you can see <laughs> visions of wind and you can see visions like you swirling around in the wind, dancing. On the floor in, in, in the world, like your, your body is probably twitching and moving. I need, I need them back. I need the others. The others? But I am not done playing with them yet. <sighs> and I feel like at this point you, you get a vision um, out of like the fog, the fog of snow. You, you can see you can see shapes like lurking in the distance, kind of dancing and wailing. That they, they see they're, they're tall, immeasurably tall. You can't quite make out what they are, but they seem to have many limbs, maybe, and they seem to be circling all around you. And and you realise that there's a shadow above you. That there's there's something large, unknowably huge, above you. You may have one. Okay, well... If you tell me where you are. What? I have no idea where I am, so that's not super helpful. This is a supernatural creature. I don't think it's like, I want your GPS coordinates. I think it's like, you give it a sense of where you are, and that will do enough. Right. Okay. So we had, in the other group, um... Um, there was Savelle, who was the elder, who was the one that you owed a promise to. Was it, like, to help him say the rights for Aie? Yeah. Um, which I feel like you've still promised to do and is still a thing. Yeah, I still, that you I be held still to. that. Yes. Um, there was Ven, who was um, the heartbroken mother, who had lost her husband. Uh, there was Ailen, who is the oldest of her two children, who is quite bossy, who is kind of like, I guess, a little bit of your competitor. And there was Venman, who was the younger child who was always in her own world. There is no good outcome here. No. Ah, Adam? Yep? Out of curiosity, how sure. broken will these people be, even if I get one of them back? Um, I don't know. This seems terrifically cruel. So there's like a couple of moves that you could play into here. Okay. Um, one of them is obviously manipulate, which is is fine. Like you, you know how that one works. It's when you try to convince an NPC to do something you want. Um, there's also a move called offer tribute, which is when you offer worthy tribute in exchange for a promise, a boon, or something of value. Roll on a ten plus your tribute is accepted, and you get what you ask for. On a seven to nine, it comes with strings, compromise, or demands more tribute. Although, actually, your child, you might not have all of those. I don't have any. I only have Manipulate. Right. We'll do that. So, okay, set the scene. Uh, you're, you're in this snowstorm. You're kind of, your body's dancing, despite you not wanting it to. And you get the, you get the impression that there are shapes around you closing in. Um, and something overhead. How are you manipulating? Probably, probably kind of like bargaining trying to ask what Strile wants. Because I do have the bond. I do have a bond on them, which yeah. I haven't. Um, what Strile wants in return for this whole group. Okay. And, like, is that is that, like, irrational what do you want? Or is it, like, I will give you anything, just let them go? 
Are you screaming into the wind here, or are you or are you rational about it? Um, I think I am. I'm one step away from the being irrational, but not quite there yet. Barely holding it together, but kind of rationally asking, like, what what does Strial need? Okay. Um, and how are you feeling? Terrified. Cool. Um. So scared. So make your roll, I guess. Ten. I can a ten. Okay. So you owe them tribute. You're going to need to give them something up front. You need to do a favour first. You need to give a piece of yourself, body or spirit. I think the most interesting thing here is to need to give a piece of myself. Okay. Um, Probably a piece of my spirit. But I have no idea how that works. But that seems the most interesting. Sure. Um, I... I think, like, the thing that comes to my mind here, like, the thing that's most obvious is, like, I don't know how this is going to develop or play out, but I feel like it's quite literal. It's like an attachment. Strial wants to be attached to you. So wherever you go, you'll carry a piece of it with you. I feel like, um, at this point, the dancing stops and, and we just fade to black. 